I'm not going to let the terrible thing, the tragic experience, the sad moment be the end of my life. It's going to be the beginning of a new one. Welcome to today's episode of Passionate Pursuits, powered by Quirins Coaching, LLC. I'm your host, Bridget Quirins. My mission for this podcast is to help you flourish by exploring how ordinary people are using their strengths in extraordinary service to the world and inspiring you to do the same. If you hang out in this community of dynamic visionaries long enough, you might just find yourself transformed. Subscribe now and check us out at quirinscoaching.com. Today, I'm honored to spend some time with Jesse Cruz. Jesse is a professional speaker, storytelling and personal development coach, best-selling author, veteran, and youth advocate. He's also the founder and CEO of Merge Worldwide. Thank you so much for taking time to chat with us today, Jesse. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So this week, we decided we wanted to have you on the podcast because you have some big news about something that's upcoming. So would you share that with us? Yeah. Last year, I decided that I wanted to incorporate my children more into our business. And I asked them, would you guys like to write a book with me? And they both said yes. And I said, awesome, let's do it. And they were really excited about it. And so me and my daughters, we took some time out and we wrote a children's book last year. And now we're getting to the point where it's ready to be released. So we're really excited about that. Yeah. What was the impetus for that? We, you know, as a family, we do a lot of things together in business, you know, whether it's our events, our kids are always helping out. And I think my kids are very intrigued by the things that we do. And I just felt prompted to say, you know, what can I do to help create an opportunity for them? Uh, my wife and I, we do a lot of these things um, for my wife and I to have these opportunities, but we wanted to create more for them and to leave some sort of legacy for them to have some good, their name is attached to that their name is on and they can say, look, this is what I, I did. And so I, that's why I asked them and they both said yes. And, and now we're getting close to the time. So we're just really looking forward to it. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool for them to get to be involved in that way as well. How did you decide on what you were going to write about? Great question. That one was one that was a big challenge for me because I did not know. Hmm. And I knew that when I was going through a significant loss in my life, that I needed help understanding my feelings and emotions. And I thought of children who also have gone through losses in their lives. And typically children don't have a difficult conversation about losing a loved one until after their loved one has passed away. Mm -hmm. And now it's parents are typically left maybe scrambling of what do I say to them? And I wanted to create a book with my kids as a resource for children who may lose a loved one at some point in their lives. They can have somewhat of an understanding before that happens or after it happens, uh, but planning a way for them to be aware that, you know, death is a part of life and it's not a conversation as adults and parents that we should run from. And we need to have those tough conversations with our children. Yeah. How did you and the girls process through that as you were writing? 
that topic of grief and, and discussing loss? Yeah, I actually, I wrote a portion of it and then I read it, I read it out loud to them and they said they really liked it. And I was like, now it's your turn. And they looked at mm -hmm. me like I was crazy because they're like, we've never wrote a book. And, you know, there was a time where I never wrote a book. Right. And so, yeah. you know, it, everyone's always a first time at something at some mm -hmm. point in their life. And so, you know, for them, it was their first time. And I said, what would you want a little kid to know if they had lost a loved one? And they just threw out ideas and I said, type it in. And they took turns typing in some of their ideas and concepts of what they think a kid should know about losing a loved one and how uh, another kid might be feeling about that. And so they put in certain lines and I said, it's perfect. And they were overthinking it at the beginning, but I said, no, it's like, yeah. you're literally typing in what you believe you might have needed to hear when you lost someone that you loved. And, you know, the words flowed and I just inserted them in after they typed them up. And, and that's how it started to come together. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful process. Have, have they gone through a loss of a loved one who was close to them? Yeah. So back in 2017, uh, they had her, their sister, um, Faith, was born. And the challenging part with her, she was only one pound. She could literally fit in the palm of my hand. And then 42 days of her fighting for her life, she passed away. And obviously changed our family forever. You know, we were all heartbroken. And, and words can't even describe the type of pain that we felt as a family through that loss and grieving process. And, you know, having to go home and share with my children that their little sister passed away was a whole nother level of grief that I wasn't prepared to handle because mm -hmm. not only was I just grieving the loss of losing my daughter, I had to go home and essentially break my daughter's hearts all over again. Right. Cause my heart was broken. Now I had to go home and break their hearts too. Yeah. And it was one of the most hardest moments of my entire life. And so they know what it's like to grieve deeply someone they love yeah and that grieving process takes quite a bit of time but what a gift you've given them to allow them to share the healing that's come from that as well I think that's part of the process that can be if you allow it to be so what has that been like for them can you speak to that how they've felt going through that? You know, we, we sought professional help, you know, like mm -hmm. my wife and I, we went to a bereavement group through our church and then there was a company. I, I'm not a company. It was a name of a group that was hosted in our town called stepping stones. And that was a bereavement group for families, right? Mm -hmm. So it was for adults and their children. And that was transformational for my kids because my kids, for the first time, were able to see that they weren't alone. You know, it's not typical when you're as young as they were when that happened that you lose a sibling that young. It's it's not that common. Obviously, it happens, just not that common. They couldn't they couldn't identify with their friends. I mean, mm -hmm. their friends never experienced a loss like that. So, kind of maybe you know, they felt a little isolated, a little different. No one understood them. But when we went to this group, there were other kids their age. Some of them lost a mom, a dad, brother, sister. And so they're like, man, we're not the only ones. And it, mm -hmm. it made them feel welcomed, understood, and accepted. And going to that group was huge for our family. We were healing in the healing process together. 
Yeah. I've heard quite a few times, and, and this is also a personal experience that I've had, but when we're in those dark places, you know, the dark night of the soul, some, some like to call it, that community is so integral to pulling us back out of that. And, and really I look at what you've created, what your family has created, and it is really essentially a strong community. Yeah. I think that when a person is vulnerable with what they've gone through, what it does, it gives permission to everybody around them to be vulnerable. Mm. And I, I just don't think anything in the world connects like vulnerability. I think it's one of the most powerful things and characteristics a human being can develop. And for me, I don't really hold back any parts of my story. You know, when the moment arises, I share it openly because I know that's how I heal. And then it empowers other people to have the freedom to heal in a sense of community and doing it by yourself. It just doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. When, when you were asking your daughters to write a book, I know as a father, obviously you have a unique perspective on what their talents are and their gifts, but how do you identify someone's potential or their areas of talent or their giftings? Yeah. So one of the potential things I'll, I'll start with myself, you know, there, there's, there's four questions I'll ask. I'll start with me. Um, and I, and I talk about this sometimes when I speak is, you know, a lot of people that are trying to figure out what their gift is and they just don't know. And there's a few questions they can ask. First question is, what am I, what am I the best at? We all have certain things that we just do better than anything else. So it's asking yourself that question. What is the one or two things that I'm very good at? So it's that self-awareness. And the next thing is, what do I enjoy doing? Right. Sometimes there's things that I enjoy doing. I'm not really good at them. I enjoy them, but I'm not really good at them. And so you, those answers must intersect somewhere. What am I really good at? What do I enjoy doing? You know, if you really want to speak on a, a, a sense of purpose, the next question you would ask yourself is, does the world need this? Right. Mm -hmm. Does the world need this thing, this gift and talent? And, you know, speaking from a professional standpoint, you know, the last part is, can I monetize this, right? Can I provide for my family in a way with this skill, gift, and talent that I've been given? And from my children's perspective, looking at them now, I see things they naturally gravitate towards. You know, what are the, I look at the things that they do where they lose track of time. And mm -hmm. that's a clear indicator. If you're doing something and you just lose track of time, that's a clear indicator that's something that you really enjoy, probably passionate about. You, you forget about everything else. And my girls are gifted very differently. And... You know, and I and I observe them and I see the things that are they're really good at and gifted at. And I do my best to connect them with resources, whether that's uh, something online or that's a person who has a skill or talent that they admire and want to have themselves and make introductions to them, to people in that field. Hmm. I think that is so important. It's I think let me just back up when you said what am I the best at I I smiled a bit because I think that I ask this question a lot professionally of, of my clients as well but often I'll I'll get I'll have them say well I have no idea I don't know I think it's sometimes difficult to identify the things that we're the best at because they're so natural to us they fit this piece of our ourselves and our 
our natural abilities and our true nature so well that we almost miss them, that we overlook them sometimes. So it really does take sometimes a lot more for people to discover what they're the best at versus what they enjoy. You know, I can easily say, oh, well, I love, you know, taking a long walk outside that refreshes me, but what am I good at? That's a really difficult question for some people. What would you say is a good step for someone to take when they're trying to learn more about themselves? Literally, and this may be uncomfortable for some people, but it's having that conversation with people who know you the best and just simply asking them because sometimes we can't, we're unaware of our gifting because it's so natural to us. So we don't realize that it stands out because it's something we just so, we do it, you know, routinely. And typically you're going to have family members, friends, people you spend time with, most likely at some point have pointed it out to you, right? Mm-hmm. If they, if you, if you shared it or you've done that specific thing in front of them, most likely someone has recognized it in you and seen it in you. And it's having that conversation, you know, Hey, what do you think I'm really good at? What do you think that I'm gifted at? And a lot of times people can tell, they just, they know, and it's easier to point out the giftings in other people sometimes than ourselves. And another part of the reason why that's so difficult is because we see people on TV or um, online and we see these people that we admire and we look up to and we can point out, man, they're so good at this thing. And we believe that their gifting is can take them to a whole new level of success that we can never reach. We always believe in the miracles for other people, but not ourselves. And that's why it's good to have people in our lives who can say, no, you're, you're a miracle too. Like you are super talented and gifted. And we got to believe that we can also too have the same dreams that we see other people have. I love that. We always believe in the miracles for other people, but not ourselves. How true is that? So you get to see people in a vulnerable space quite often because you host speaker competitions. So how do you coach someone who is, I mean, this is quite a, a frequent fear that I come upon with people who are just terrified of public speaking How do you coach them to share such a vulnerable story or a piece of their life in such a public and sometimes frightening way? I think one of the most important things that needs to happen first, you know, is me bringing people together to be vulnerable. I must lead with vulnerability. Mm. I must, because if I get up there and I say, hey, you need to come up here and share this story about vulnerability and I'm not, you know, it puts them in a maybe tough position. Soon as I get up on that stage and I share the worst moments of my entire life, and I do that freely, the worst experiences of my life I've shared publicly with the world to hear. What it does is like, okay, this is now a safe space. Now I can do this because somebody else was the brave one, right? And I don't mind being that person. Someone has to be the one that says, yes, what happened to me was awful. However, I'm not going to let the terrible thing, the tragic experience, the sad moment be the end of my life. It's going to be the beginning of a new one. And it's going to allow me to take that time to share openly to heal. And it does the same thing for others. And then from there, it's helping people to understand people typically fall in two different atmospheres when it comes to this idea, right? This is the spectrum. One is I don't have a sad story. I didn't go through anything tragic. You know, I I didn't go through these crazy stories I hear people sharing on a stage, right? So that, therefore they they downplay their story and they don't think it's valid or worth, right? So they, they just like, I, ne- I didn't ever have those experiences, right? So that's usually one end of the spectrum. 
the end of the end of the spectrum is the it's the other extreme where I've gone through so much trauma, I've been through so much pain and suffering that it's almost too too personal, too too scary to share. Right? It's it's too much. People would run out the room if they knew the things that I've done or that's been done to me. And so people fall into those two extremes typically. And and truthfully, it, whether no matter what end of the spectrum you're at. The beauty in either of those stories is that you're the only person in human history with your story. Therefore, your story is special. It is unique. It stands out, even if there's other similarities and overlap with other people. Even if you think it's too too traumatic or too boring, the simple fact that you are the only person in human history makes it stand out special. And it's helping people to realize that they're so special and that they have something to offer the world by sharing their story. You're such a motivational person and, you know, people just glean from the wisdom that you share so freely. What was the, the shift in your life that allowed you to become this person? Whew, great question. So first things first, you know, as a man of faith, the greatest story ever told was Jesus Christ. And so I learned from him. And, and that's the thing that keeps me going in life. I have a supportive wife. I have great children, right? Those are all um, my relationships. I think that's where all my motivation comes from. I'm a person of relationships. Like, that's what I focus on. And I think when a person can get the relationships in order, they can do more great things. And I struggled with my relationships for many years. And once I started to get my relationships in order, right priority, then I was able to make more of an impact with people. Because I understood my identity and, and who I've been created to be and the person I'm becoming and also having a vision for where I'm going. I think a lot of times people wander through life. Uh, they just settle for average and mediocre and normal because that was what's taught. I mean, that's what was taught to me growing up. You know, you just kind of settle for what's given to you, you know, and we're we're taught and programmed at a very young age to just settle for whatever environment we're raised in, whatever we're exposed to. And that's just what it is. And once I was able to have the confidence and courage in who I am, because I had healthy relationships, I was able to do more things. And understanding that my pain wasn't meant to break me. I think a lot of people think their pain is meant to break them, but I think pain is meant to build you. And once I decided, because I think it's a decision, to not become a prisoner to my pain, that changed everything. You know, because I was trapped by my pain. I was chained by my pain. I was suffocating for my pain. And I decided that I don't ever want to become a victim to my circumstances anymore. Yes, the things that I've gone through have been terrible. And a lot of it's been unjust, I believe, undeserving and unfair. But from that experience, I was like, you know what? I'm not the only one. Hmm. There's millions and billions of people going through stuff similar or worse than me. And if I keep this story to myself and I don't get out into the world and share it, I'm robbing all these people of a blessing. Uh, there's been certain people that I've been assigned to reach and impact and influence and inspire. And if I keep the story to myself, I become completely selfish. I rob them of an opportunity of healing and growth and transformation in their life. And I can't live with that. So I decided long ago, I'm going to share no matter what, because there's so many people who need it. And it's not just my story. 
the people I'm sharing to, their story needs to be heard too. And my hope is that when they share their story, they heal. And the people listening to them heal. We can heal this whole world. We have the courage to share our story. Mm. Absolutely. When you talk about relationships and that being such a pivotal thing in your life, I know so many people are focused on, well, but if I'm meant to impact people, then I'm going to develop relationships with people who are hurt and are hurting because that's, that's my, you know, space. That's where I'm serving, but how do you develop intentional relationships maybe with people who are going to inspire or uplift or empower you to balance that out? I think there's, there's three people you need in your life. There's one person to follow, one person to lead, and one person to walk alongside with. You know, I like to think of it as, you know, I'm a person who goes outdoors and I hike a lot. And, you know, if I'm going on a big hike, I really like to ask people who've been to this hike, hey, tell me about this. Is this realistic? Can I do this in an hour, two hours, eight hours, a day? How, how long will this take? And they can say, hey, go this way, go that way. And they're guiding me, right? Without even being there, they're, they're guiding me on the path to take to get to the destination that I desire. Mm. And I think in business and in, in any relationship, whether that's marriage or our faith, our profession, you always want people who've walked the path a little bit further than you. And then you ask them questions. It's a saying that I go to that I learned from one of my mentors. He says, if you want to go faster, hire a master. Basically meaning get people in your life who've already done it and have done it well that you can turn to and build that relationship with. And the next part is you want to have people who are maybe a few steps behind you on the journey, because I believe that it's important for us to always give back and serve. Mm -hmm. And it's our responsibility, just like that same person at the mountain peak turned around and helped us. It is our responsibility to turn back and help the people who are still ascending. And the other beautiful thing is when you get to do it with people at the same time, you walk through the journey together that you can turn to. So to me, those are the three different categories of people that we always need in our life at all times. That's fantastic. Um, just as you were saying that, it, it made me think of a conversation we had months ago before I had even started this podcast. And it was just a dream of you really gave me seeds to get started, whether I think you knew it or not. And that was just find those people who are doing what you want to be doing and ask them to help. And man, that was so hard because it takes such vulnerability to say, I've got nothing. I don't even have equipment yet, but this is what I want to do when I see you doing it. So can you help me? And I'll tell you the hardest part was asking because what I learned and what I have learned along this process is that when you ask those masters for that help, they are so ready and willing to give. It's incredible the giving hearts that people who have gone ahead often have. So I think if there's anything I've learned through the process of the hard things that I've, that I've started or gone through, it's that it's really in your head the, the difficulty is really in your head because once you get out of your head and you just do something and you just start taking those steps, then it becomes so much easier because the path sort of unfolds for you and it becomes more, more obvious where you're supposed to be going. There are a few people who I enjoy reading, uh, David Brooks, Parker Palmer, Father Richard Rohr, he's a Franciscan friar. 
they all talk about this time in people's lives when we experience a motivational shift. David Brooks calls it the second mountain. Parker Palmer calls it a hidden wholeness. He really talks about returning to the wholeness that we were created with. And Father Richard Rohr calls it the second half of life. But what is that to you? Because I know it sounds from the way you're talking that you've experienced that as well. Mm -hmm. I would say it's beautiful pain. Mm. I think we spend time looking at pain as an ugly mess. And in a moment, it can be. I think that the most traumatic moment of any human being's life, you know, typically could be the worst day of their life. On the flip side of that, it can be the best day of their life because, not because of what happened, but because the person they become from it. You know, it's not about the events that happen in our lives. It's the meaning we attach to it. You know, I could have stayed in uh, depression, you know, when my daughter passed away. And there are moments I still struggle with it. And you know, there's moments where I, I break down, I have flashbacks. There's things that happen throughout the day that remind me of her and it can bring me back into a very dark place very quickly and spend several years. But if I had decided to live the rest of my life that way, I could have never show up to be the man of faith I want to be. I could never be the husband, the father, the business owner I, I desire to be. So I had to assign a new meaning to that tragic loss. And I think it's about learning how to win through the losses. It doesn't mean that what happened was a complete victory, but that means there's little wins along the way through the losses. And that's what brings the beauty out of the pain. Yeah, I, I see that you said, you know, people have, people generally fall into two camps. You said, I'll bring this around to where we're going, where they either have no sad story, or they have so much trauma, they're either in one of those camps or the other. I think this happens here with this motivational shift as well. It can very easily come from a very deep traumatic experience, but it can also come from something I've noticed, which has happened in my own life, which was getting to know yourself and who you are wholly as a person, who you were created to be, what your values are, what your strengths are, and realizing that what you're doing with your life does not jive with who you are or who you were created to be. And you realize that you have to make a decision to either continue doing something that is in resistance to your values and yourself or leave that place and walk into a more whole life. Even if that means taking some really big risks, like perhaps leaving a relationship or leaving a job where your values don't align with, you know, the company's values or whatever it might be. So I think that can also contribute to this motivational shift in people's lives. Perhaps there was a moment where they realized I can't be this person that I am acting like anymore because that's not who I am. Have you ever seen that you know, in your, in your personal life or in your lives of your clients or speakers? Yeah, I think it's a struggle we all have, no matter what stage of life we're in, you know, because I've learned, you know, as we were preparing for our events and getting people from all over the country to fly in and, and be a part of what we're doing. I told this story at our speaker competition. 
I'll never forget it. I'm on the way. I'm on the way to the event. I'm driving there. And I hit the brake. I was on a highway. There was nothing in front of me. I just hit the brake and I was about to take the exit. And I was about to turn my car around and go home at our own event. Because I thought to myself, how in the world can I do this? I've never done this before. And I was terrified. And I thought, all these people are coming in to our event. I've never done this. I can't do this. And so I've learned that the biggest thing that stops us from the new version of ourselves is the old version of ourselves. Like New Jesse wants to emerge and be born, but old Jesse doesn't want him to. And old Jesse will do whatever he can to stop him. He will tell him all kinds of lies and tell him that he's unworthy and undeserving. And who do I think I am to do these things? And I'm not valuable and I can't do it. And I think we all get those in our heads sometimes. And I've learned from a spiritual standpoint, that's that comes from the enemy. Steal, kill, and destroy my peace and my purpose. And, you know, as I was driving, I, ha- I just had a moment of like, I can't do this. And then I had this moment of clarity and said, no. The reason why I'm being attacked so much is because there is so much value. You know, people don't break into a home that's empty Mm. because there's no value there. They break into a home with all kinds of valuable stuff in it so they can steal, kill, and destroy. See, if there was no value in who I am as a person, there's no value in who's listening. There's no value in you. You wouldn't even be getting this opposition. The opposition is proof that you're heading in the right direction because something amazing is about to be birthed. And before something amazing could be birthed, there must be some sort of pain and suffering to get you there. And I had that moment. I said, you know what? I am worthy. I am deserving. I can do this. And the old Jesse is trying to hold me back. And he's trying to stop me from becoming the person I've been designed to be. And we all experience these moments. And we need to remember more so the direction that we're headed rather than the places we used to be. Because the places we used to be are full of comfort, the environment is has treated us in a way that maybe is welcoming to the person that we are. And sometimes we outgrow that environment. We outgrow the old version of ourselves. And, you know, every single time we take the time to assess ourselves in the direction that we're heading, yes, there's going to be resistance because there's fear of the unknown. A lot of times people would rather suffer in comfort than experience an adventure, a new experience. They would much rather just stay there because that's what they've known. Even if it's bad, they'd rather stay in this terrible environment than venture out to something of new possibilities. Oh man, is that true? Yeah, I have this equation I like to use with myself, with my children, with clients, whomever, that suffering is equal to pain you're experiencing times your resistance to that pain, and then divide that by gratitude. You can literally wipe out your suffering with enough gratitude for what you're going through. And man, is that hard in the moment where you're feeling that pain. But the first thing I like to tell people is stop resisting, allow the pain to to be, to have its way, to do what it's going to do. And realize that you can turn that pain and that suffering on its head with some gratitude. So what is this teaching me? Where can I go from here? What can I possibly give as a result of this? 
And that can just completely negate the amount of suffering that you're going to go through. That's amazing what, you know, gratitude or some perspective will do. For sure. Most definitely. I'm thinking this place that, that you've come to and that you are leading others to, is this a place then that, that someone can arrive by intentionally navigating there? Or is this really a place that someone gets thrust by their circumstances? I think it's both. I think that certain things happen in our life and we're like, I don't know what I'm going to do in my life, but I know this ain't it. They just have this moment of clarity. Like I've been through this, I've been through that. This isn't working anymore. Hmm. And unfortunately as human beings, we typically only really make life changes in the act of desperation, not prevention. Hmm. And so some serious circumstance happens and we become desperate for change. We just don't naturally want it because change is too much and it's scary and uncomfortable. And typically it's until there's a, a huge amount of pressure from some situation or people in our lives, do we actually make a change? And now we're like, okay, I was on this path. Now I'm going over here. And the only thing that will continue to keep you on that path is the intentionality of staying there. Because like I said earlier, the old version of you is going to constantly pull you back into the comfort. And so that's why intentionality is so key to staying on the path. Because the more we stay on the path we've been called to reach, the more resistance we're going to get. This, my whole purpose of, of this show of Passionate Pursuits is really to speak to people and activate that part of them that is their natural strengths, their natural giftings. I call it, obviously, their, their God-created purpose and to activate them into that. And then the other half of that, which comes from Martin Seligman and the positive psychology movement is allowing them to flourish by taking those natural strengths and giftings and using them in service to the world in some way. So how can someone who is listening process this conversation and put some of those pieces into concrete, realistic action steps for themselves. I like to use the metaphor of Christmas time because if we all think back when we were younger, we run down to the living room under the tree. There's a gift under this tree and it has a name on it. Now we're adults and that magic goes away and we forget about those special moments when we were kids. But it hasn't changed. There's still a gift under the tree with your name on it. Now what happens is when we're children, we never hesitate to open the gift because the excitement, the thrill of something new, something we've anticipated, something that we've wanted, maybe something we needed, a new opportunity, right? Something that's going to make our lives better and makes us better as people. Kids know how to open up gifts. Adults don't. Adults have a gift under the tree of life, something special they do better than anything else. And instead of running down to that tree and ripping it open and trying to figure out how to use that gift, it just sits there because they don't know what's inside and they're not serious about discovering what's inside. So they just leave it under the tree and maybe someday they'll get around to it. Maybe someday they won't. And I think that we have a lot to learn from children because children never hesitate to open up the gift mm. and adults we do. And I would say to that person is that remember those special moments that you had that amazing gift that you received, how much it meant to you, 
the joy that it filled you with. It's the same with the gift that you have right now, the talent that you have. It's the same type of gift. Every time I get to speak to people, I get to coach people, I get to host them at an event, I get to unwrap that gift all over again. Because it's something that I've been designed to do. It's a gift that I was given. And if I just leave it under the tree, all these people I've been called to reach an impact will not get that impact that they've desired, that they've prayed for, that they hoped for. I believe that we can all be a form of answer prayer to people if we simply have the courage to go to the tree, open up the gift, figure out how to use it, and serve the world with it. Because a gift is not good unless it's open and shared with the world. Yeah, so true. And oh my gosh, you just spoke to a part of my life that you didn't even know. Um, I have this irrational fear of opening presents in front of people. I do not like my birthday and I do not like Christmas for those reasons, <laughs> because I am so afraid of someone giving me a gift, me opening that gift and not having the right reaction to it. What if I open the gift and I go, Oh no, I'm so disappointed. This wasn't what I wanted or, Oh gosh, I already have one of these or, you know, whatever it might be. Oh my gosh. How true is that about our gifts and our talents and bringing them to the world. So many people are so afraid of what are people going to think of me when I actually start living as the person who I was created to be. Exactly. Yeah, that is, that is a fear that holds so many people back. And I guess from my side of things, I would say, well, how truly happy are you right now as the person you are and how you're living in this moment, could you possibly be any happier? Could you possibly experience any more joy? And if the answer is yes, you could, then what are you waiting for? You're not here to impress someone else. You're here to live fully as the person you were created to be. And if you're not currently doing that, then what are you waiting for? There's so much joy on the other side. Anything else you think would be important for people to hear about, about yourself, what you have going on, the book, anything like that? Yeah. You know, I, I think a key thing is be strong enough to be weak. And what I mean by that is your burden that you carry is your greatest blessing if you let it become that. And you're not a problem to people. You're not an inconvenience. You are someone who is special. And when you start to share your story of your burdens and your inconveniences and your experiences in life that have maybe held you back, you set yourself free from them. You know, and that was one of the big reasons why we had the speaker competition. We continue to host them is. So many people have been held back by their stories rather than be set free by them. And I want people to be free. And when you share that story, you have a new sense of freedom and empowerment that you've never experienced anywhere else. There's something about sharing it, sharing that gift, sharing that story, being set free. No matter who you are or where you're from or what you've been through, I encourage you to get in the room with people who are sharing their story and their gift. Mm-hmm. And we can all be set free together and build a sense of community and support. Yeah. Do you have any upcoming events that you would like to plug that you know that are coming up, you know, mid to late November, December? 
Yeah, the only thing that we have for this year is the book launch that we have coming up for our girls. And then next year, I'm still working on dates and locations, but next year for sure we'll be doing multiple speaker competitions in 2023. Very cool. Well, we will definitely make sure that we get that information out, whether it's in the show notes or, you know, as those things happen, we'll plug them on social media for you for sure, because I am all in on your vision as well. I think our visions align very, very well. Uh, So in each of my interviews, I'd like to throw a few rapid fire questions at you because I find these tell a lot about people. (laughs) Let's go. I'm ready. All right, here we go. What is one thing everyone should start doing? (laughs) I'm going to share one random thing that changed my life and it's going to be so maybe odd. Perfect. Walking. Yes. Literally, I walk every single day of my life, change my life. Mm. And it sounds so like why would walking matter? Uh, any form of physical movement actually helps the brain. And so when your brain is more healthy, you become more healthy. Your emotions become in a more healthy state. So for me, walking every single day will dramatically change your life. Mm, totally agree with that. I do that as well. What fills your gratitude tank? <sighs> I think every time that we have an event with people, there's a few amazing things that happen. One, my wife and I, we get to do something special together that I think brings us closer in our marriage because we're serving people together. Mm. The next thing it does is shows our children the importance of creating an environment of people who want to help you win and be successful in life and how to serve them and meet their needs. And then the third thing it does that fills my gratitude is being in the room surrounded by people who are all in on their growth opportunities and building relationships with people. That's what I love. Yeah, that sounds like a great place to be. What is success? Progress. You know, people think it's a certain amount of money, a house, clothes, and those are all good things and they can be measured, but success is all progress. That's it. No matter how big or small, it's baby steps in the right direction that you've been called to reach. Yes. Yes. And those baby steps, those tiny little shifts can become exponential over time. So don't discount those for sure. Who is your favorite fictional character? Oh man, you really threw me off with this one. Okay, I definitely wasn't <laughs> expecting that. Favorite fictional character. This is from anything, any anything, book, yep. movie, anything at all. Hmm. I'm gonna say Superman. Cool. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Superman. That's good. What is the strangest food you've ever eaten? Oh my gosh! There's first and foremost, there's a lot. <laughs> I've eaten some things I should have never ate. Um, hmm. I would probably say squid mm. kind of tastes like a rubber tire. The one I had was, was wasn't very good. So, oh, I was gonna say, <laughs> I don't even eat seafood, and I've had some some calamari, some fried calamari that was excellent. Uh, I've had so I had two experiences with it. My first experience was not good. I oh, did no. was brave enough. I did try it again because I was like, you know, it can't be this bad all the time. So I did try it again. And the second time it wasn't as awful. So it wasn't <laughs> that bad the second time I tried it. Awesome. If our listeners are interested in learning more about Merge Worldwide or purchasing a copy of Where Did My Love Go? Or even just connecting with you, Jesse, what's the best way for them to do that? 
Yeah, typically Facebook, uh, Jesse Cruz on Facebook, or if they're on Instagram, Jesse Cruz Speaks. Those are typically the places I spend the most time. Very cool. Sounds good. It was so great getting to talk to you today, and I hope we get to talk again soon. Thank you so much. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of Passionate Pursuits, powered by Corns Coaching, LLC. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe now. This show is completely ad-free, so if you gain value from listening, please leave a review and share with a friend. I am so grateful for you.